Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up-and-coming brands. Anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the founders of Unit One Gear, Juan Garcia uh, Mancella. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me. Thanks for nailing that last name. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> um, okay, so for the listener that may not be familiar uh, with Unit One, how would you best describe your brand to them? So Unit One is, is a brand that's all about uh, improving experiences. We are st- we started out on the mountains in winter sports. Uh, we're moving on to um, the urban mo- urban mobility space. But essentially, we are all we're in the business of upgrading, improving, and solving experiences that need need an upgrade via uh, a combination of hardware and software products working and working together. That's interesting. So the first product that you guys are launching is a ski and snowboard helmet that has headphones that you can remove from the actual helmet. Um, how did you guys come up with this first idea? Uh, correct. So the, the, our first product was born uh, in, quite, in, 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 in as an honest way as you can have, really, because um, it was born from our own experiences as skiers and riders. Um, I've I've been skiing uh, with a helmet since I, I was a little kid. Back then, my mom, my mom made, made me wear one, as I'm sure happened to most most people my age. Uh, we went through the whole helmet craze during our teenage years, so that's kind of the process. And I've always I've always liked uh, skiing with music. And if you if you try to ski with music today, there's a bunch of options out there: uh, audio kits, earbuds, uh, full-bodied headphones. I really did try everything, and I consistently came up empty-handed. Uh, being an, an industrial designer, a product designer, as well as a skier, um, I kind of realized there was an opportunity there to be taken and an experience that needed to be drastically upgraded. So I uh, teamed up with Javi and, and Francisco, my, my two co-founders, and we, we, set out, we set out to create the, the experience would have wanted to have from a back sheet of paper so uh no no constraints no walls no no limits just uh, starting from scratch and creating what we would have always wanted to have on the slopes to begin with and that is uh that's our first product uh, the unit one helmet and, and so you started this in 2016 it took you a couple of years to really fine-tune the product and officially launched it in october of 2019 what really differentiates um unit one from other um options of listening to music while riding um so we 
on the on the pro- on the problems that we set out to solve were essentially audio quality, which is usually bad in in in, in an audio kit, uh, and also uh, the interface. And this is this was historically my my biggest issue. Um, audio kits had little to no controls um, for for controlling your music. Uh, answering your phone, whatever it is that happened. Um, and you, you, you have gloves on, you, you don't have neither the time nor the ability to look for those ten, tiny little buttons. And so that was one of the, the, main, the main problems that we solved. And lastly, even if you have the best audio kit out there, um, after riding, it was pretty much speakers and wires just sitting inside a helmet, sitting inside a closet. Um, so it was a product that became obsolete the the second you were done writing so what we did with with our helmet is well we we juiced up the outer quality you have um, i'd say studio quality headphones almost in sitting in your helmet you have an interface that was designed from the ground up to be wear to be used with gloves on and to be used while skiing you, you don't have you know you're not gonna be stopping every time you want to change tunes or or pick up your phone so we that interface pretty much allows you to just cruise through every control uh, without even stopping and lastly to address the the product obsolescence once you're done riding uh, we made those headphones removable so once you're done riding uh, you pretty much take them out and you have headphones for whatever else you may be doing after so that's, that's the full um that's the full idea and that's how uh, our helmet was was initially born. Now, did you always know growing up that at some point you wanted to go out and start a business of some kind, or or did this sort oh, of just no. happen over time? Uh, it was it, it kind of it was um it kind of dropped on me. Um, it 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 was a, I'd say it was a consequence of me wanted to to create something. Uh, the business kind of sort of happened uh, on its own. Um, it was at that time I was uh, working as a product designer, uh, designing products every day. So this was really just one more product, although it was a product that I was really close to and that, that I, I had, without knowing, I was I had been doing research on it for, for like 10, 15 years prior to that. Uh, and that's an amazing opportunity if you want to step it up to, to design a product. You have a lot of knowledge in each, that you could just pour into product development. Then the business sort of uh, ha- happened. Um, we, um, we, we launched a crowdfunding campaign uh, early on to see if this was something worth doing in the first place, uh, which it, we had amazing response to. And then after that, we okay, pretty much decided that this was something worth pursuing, like really pursuing. And that's when we, we built the business and, and decided to mount the whole thing around this first product and, and, and give it a go. That's so interesting. Now, obviously, it took some time to develop the product. What was, um, did you start bootstrapping it in the beginning, or did you know right off the bat, you're like, okay, we need to secure some rounds of funding to really make sure that we do this right? Well, hardware is expensive. Uh, unlike software, uh, bootstrapping hardware is really, really cheap. In fact, the, the, the proceeds from that first crowdfunding campaign, we didn't use them. We decided that we, because we knew that we needed a, you know, a lot of capital to start this thing up. We decided not to use that, uh, 
those crowdfunding proceeds until we had a decent shot at that bigger capital. So um, even if we didn't want to, we, we had to at least uh, bootstrap it the, the first year, which was essentially product design and product development, uh, and also the, the, the crowdfunding campaign itself. Now, after that, we, um, we were lucky enough to get into the lead sports accelerator. This is, uh, it, it was one of the, one of the first accelerator uh, founded by the grandchildren of Adi Dassler. Adi Dassler, the legendary founder of Adidas. So sure. Yeah. These, these guys, these, uh, the, their grandchildren pretty much uh, set up this accelerator to kind of continue their, their, their grandfather's legacy in innovation in sports. So we were lucky enough to, to get in there. Uh, we spent about Quite literally took the company to the next level, uh, and right after that, we closed our first round of funding with the, the Adidas family leading the round. That was the the gas in the tank that we needed to go to China, build the supply lines, uh, finish the finish the product, and then uh, launch it. That's so interesting. So um, you get to the point of launching it. What was your strategy to get it out there? Were you focusing more on retail, more direct to consumer? How did you guys go about it? Well, uh, the, the snow sports industry is, in that regard, a little, I'd say, slow moving. It's still very much retail based. Uh, I think it's 85% retail versus online. Obviously, retail is dropping fast and online direct direct is uh, rising fast. But still, it's, uh, it's quite a difference to make up. Uh, nevertheless, we, we, we knew from the beginning that we wanted to be a direct to consumer brand. Um, first, firstly, retail is, it's, I'm not going to say scared of change, but it doesn't like change very much. Uh, and we, here we are coming with, you know, we are a new brand. No one knows about us. Uh, we have a, a new product that kind of, uh, defies, uh, some structures that already have been in place for years, uh, in, in what could be considered a different format of, of, of a helmet. And that, to start that with uh, retail, it's not, it's not a good idea. It's not a, not a, safe, uh, not a safe one, at least. So we, we knew that we wanted to be direct to consumer, uh, mainly because we wanted to have full control of our customer journey. So our, our strategy to it was we had a soft launch uh, on the 2018-19 season, uh, we build a small number of units, uh, most half of which were to were for our early crowdfunding campaign backers who had, who had stuck along the way with us, waiting for their product, um, and the other half was mainly to get some early adopters going throughout the world. Um, that season was critical for us to understand the the early issues the product was having. I mean, it was our first crack at the product after all. So um, from that uh, 500, 600 or so early adopters, we got tons and tons of feedback. Um, and that feedback went right back into product development because we knew what, what the, the product needed for, to improve. Uh, so we just went ahead and did that. And um, this, would, this, would, uh, this is what we call Gen 2. So our second generation product. And that's the one we actually launched October 2019. Uh, that's interesting now to you does it feel like the last couple of years have flown by or it's been like 
a super long journey <laughs> up to this point. It's it's so weird. Uh, both uh, on, on on many ways it looks like I'm I'm, I'm tired as if as if this was a six year long journey, uh, and it's like. Whew, I mean, I've, we've done so much in, in so little time, and there's so much to be done uh, after this, right? And and on the other side, on the other hand, it seems like this was just yesterday, and everything was like a, a blink of an eye, and okay, whoa, uh, did all this just happen in the past two, three years? It's it's it really, it's it's unbelievable. But it's been one heck of a ride. We're, we're so excited, and then and moving forward, there's this exciting stuff uh, happening for the brand as well. So um, I'm just, I'm just uh, enjoying the ride as much as I can. That's that's the most important part, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's it. So when it comes to running an outdoor company um, that make us makes a physical product, how do you guys keep sustainability sort of front and center? Well, we are looking right now. We're looking into uh, because we're about to scale, and that's when it, sustainability becomes uh, more important. On that regard, we are looking into uh, alternative materials to, number one, extend uh, the life cycle of helmets, which is, um, I mean, by, by extending that life cycle, we are pretty much uh, making sure that there's going to be less helmets out there because they work cause they work longer. And we're also looking into uh, the extensive use of uh, recyclable materials in our packaging. Uh, helmet is a big product. Helmet is something that you can't compress. So uh, there's really no way around a, a big box <laughs> uh, in, in, in that sense. So we're looking into uh, the use of the raw materials to, to make the, the packaging as eco-friendly as possible. That's interesting. Now, over the years, what would you say has been one of the most challenging parts of starting and building Unit 1? Oof, take your pick. Um, so running... Uh, Running stuff from from back home in in Argentina uh, between Patagonia and Buenos Aires has been a perk and it has also been uh, very difficult because we were far away, really far away from, I'd say, almost everything else. Um, Europe and the U.S. being our main markets, uh, our main investors being European, our suppliers being in Asia. Argentina is just way... Out of that circuit, uh, so that was uh, that's one of the that was one of the biggest challenges. One we are fixing uh, soon. Uh, half the the team is relocating to Europe over the next months, uh, but that was over the years that was pretty tricky to to, to do. A lot of um, a lot of long flights, um, a lot of traveling, being away, being away from home, uh, raising capital and whatnot. It's 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 been tricky. Yeah, for sure. And your your whole team kind of travels a lot where we were talking offline about the fact that you spend most of um, uh, Argentina's winter months there, and then as it gets to wintertime in, in the Northern Hemisphere, you're in Europe and, and, and uh, the U.S. How has that affected um, your work balance? Uh, uh, not in a good way, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking from California right now. Uh, thankfully, uh, my my wife and kid are here with me, but that's usually the exception, not the rule. Uh, we've been traveling since before Christmas. I still haven't come home yet, and I still have like a month and a half to go. Uh, this is a little bit of a, a family time in the middle of that roadshow, 
but uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely tricky. And there's a little too much traveling, and that's one of the reasons we are actually relocating. Uh, we want to be closer to our core markets, obviously, but also um, traveling from Europe to the U.S. and to China, or even to Argentina for the, for that matter, is a lot less than traveling doing all that traveling from Argentina. It's a uh, it's it's a uh, longer travel. Uh, you need to, to to squeeze more into every every uh, every trip you have. It's it, it gets trickier, and then you spend a lot of time away from home, and that's uh and that's difficult to scale, for sure. For sure. Now, what would you say up to this point have been some of the biggest mistakes that you guys have made with Unit One? Oh, uh, we did a bunch of those, <laughs> as um, we all do. <laughs> yeah. So we. Um, Back when we closed our, our uh, first round of funding, uh, due to red tape and, and all the all the intricacies involved in fun, in fundraising, uh, we closed it a couple months later than, than we originally wanted to. So we closed around in April. We wanted to close it in December, and those those uh, those months in the middle uh, that we lost, uh, you know, working through the round itself, uh, were precious to us because having a seasonal business you know snow is coming whether you want it or not it's not going to wait for you um and we made the decision to just punch it and and just go through it either way and after like we literally didn't wait didn't wait for the round to close we went to china all the same we started the process without the, the round closing thank god we did uh but i mean that that was the right call I know that you you're asking for a mistake, but here it comes. So we uh, um, finalized the development and started manufacturing certifications and all, all all the process that goes into building a helmet in the first place. Uh, we realized that we would we would be there on the season a bit a little late into the season. And on the one hand, we wanted to deliver that product to to our backers who were waiting for this for like a almost a, almost two years and on the other hand we wanted to, to you know launch this uh, have this soft launch with early adopters but you can't do that mid-season you had i mean launch for our winter sports product happens in october november uh so we decided that we priority priority number one was uh delivering our products to our backers and when then we had we had this soft launch <laughs> and uh it was <laughs> a little embarrassing it was uh, it started out I think January 15th. It was a pre-sale on January 15th. It was, it was a stupid move, uh, but but it was the only option we had if we wanted to have more product on the slopes and more feedback and information to feed off of later on. So uh, it was, in retrospect, it was a it was it was a bad move. It's not like we had any other options, but. Uh, if I if I did that uh, again, I probably would have w- decided to wait on on a, a proper launch, a proper soft launch, either, um, and just deliver the, the products to to our backers. So why yeah, was, was it a mistake, sick. though? Is it did you have an issue with with um, it was getting too the late product? This, it was too late into the season, and uh, we were introducing a product mid season and uh, and delivering a product almost. Almost uh, when it was over, so it, it was right, like after the holiday shop, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, we so people we got buying. caught up in we got caught up into China, Chinese New Year, and all that kind of stuff, and then uh, launch kept being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And at one point, we were I mean, we were already 
in it, you know, uh, you, we couldn't pull out back then. So it was okay. Uh, this is, this has prolonged way, way longer than it should have. And we're sitting on a, on a launch at a, at a date that it's not, it's not feasible. Um, but I mean, uh, had I known that it was going to stretch back that long, I would have, uh, just waited one more season and, and do it properly. So I'm curious to know, like, how, like, especially with raising capital and launching a seasonal business and being that late, what would you have done um, with that time between uh, April through the start of the next season um, to get things ready? Well, I would have done. I would have done what we actually ended up doing uh, without without the 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 thoughts of that of that soft launch. So I would have delivered those. Those crowdfunding units, uh, I mean, those guys don't matter if you're a couple months late into the season, as long as you're delivering that product. Uh, so I would have just gotten that feedback from them um, and then pour, pour all that feedback back into product development, use it to upgrade the product, and then properly launch it in, 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 in October, the way, the way a winter sports product is supposed to be launched, you know? Sure, sure. I'm sure you'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> oh, no. You got that. <laughs> So what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or really just a business in general? Um, all right. Um, I can think of a couple of things. Number one, I mean, I don't want to sound too cliche. I mean, you'd read a lot about this stuff and, and there's a bunch of cliches floating around. Some of them are true. Um, but uh, the first thing I would uh, I'd, I'd all, I always bring up is grit. Uh, you go through a ton, a ton of barriers, a ton of people telling you that you can't do something. Uh, a lot of them are right, by the way. Uh, I, I, I have a couple people very early on. I still remember their faces while, while they were telling me, you're crazy to do that. You'll, you guys will be dead in, in China. You won't go to China. This is too much for you guys. Blah, 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 blah. I, I have a, two, three people that, that, that told me that very early on. And uh, I hated them at the time. I mean, that's not what you want to hear, right? Uh, but sure, yeah, uh, yeah. they they did get us through uh, all that followed. And, and then after we did it, I just went back to them and said, there you go. Uh, we went ahead and did all that. Uh, so here's your, here's your free helmet, douchebag. It was a nice moment. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if it was happy or, ang- or angry still. Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, there's going to be a ton of people um, telling you very, uh, very often, rightly so, that you can't do something. Uh, and that, I mean, that should just be fuel in the tank. Uh, it's, I mean, good things are supposed to be hard. Otherwise, everyone would, would be doing them in the first place. And uh, especially if you're doing a, a product uh, or a service or something that hasn't been done. There's a reason why it hasn't been done, and you're going to have a certain amount of barriers you have to go through. Uh, for us, it was uh, raising capital for hardware, very difficult these days. Um, then going ahead in China and trying to teach uh, you know, helmet and headphone suppliers who had been doing helmet and headphones for 30 years one way. And there, there we go, and we go like, yeah, okay, so this is going to be different. Uh, these are not regular headphones. I know you're a helmet, headphone and helmet experts, but uh, we need you to work differently. And, and these guys don't, don't want to be told that. And the, the two industries have 
zero relation with each other. And we had to pretty much build a supply line in which they were close, uh, closely related and, and working in, in synchronicity in a way that they have never had done before. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it was hard. Uh, it had never been done before. Uh, it, we almost died in the process, but, but uh, we came through. And that is, that's what I think grit is about. Uh, the, the ability to uh, just, you know, nut up and keep going. Uh, no matter what, no matter what they say, and uh, I think that's my 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 biggest advice to to any entrepreneur. Uh, and if I have a if I can have a bonus in there, um, the earliest you can have uh, an MVP, uh, minimum viable product, working, uh, that's going to be goal later on. It's gonna it's gonna be able to, uh, it's gonna allow you to to prove early indications of, of traction. It's gonna allow you to do product iterations that are going to be cheap uh it's uh, it's an overall win scenario uh, the, the earliest you can have an mvp go for it it'll make things simpler in the long way oh yeah definitely saves a few headaches <laughs> it definitely causes headaches too but also saves. oh yeah that, that too. <laughs> um so you've alluded to this a little bit um throughout the interview but where where do you see unit one going in the next year five years ten years down the road uh well we are going through a lot in Unit One right now. Uh, our first product, like I, like I have explained uh, thus far, was we started out with uh, with music. That was that was what got us started. By no means, it's uh, what's keeping us going. We we found a few things along the way. Uh, number one uh, was for this same product, by the way, it was a uh, communication. So um, when we launched this product a couple months ago. We decided to throw in uh, a new feature in there uh, that, that is essentially a, um, a walkie-talkie helmet-to-helmet. Now, we didn't know this was not part of the initial formula, uh, and we didn't know how the, the audience and the public would react. But we decided, but, but we knew that we wanted to give it a try, and it kind of blew up. Uh, people started, started buying helmets in twos and fours. Uh, groups of eight people were buying helmets uh, at once, uh, and oh, that's interesting. We started, we, we started seeing uh, photos of uh, people on Instagram like sitting on top of eight boxes. Uh, it was it was insane, and then and, and it was a it was a pretty strong indicator that this was something that uh, was worth uh, looking into and you know uh, doing doing better. Uh, so we're rehashing the, the product line in favor of communications, um, which is super interesting. Uh, I mean, because it, it appeals to a much broader audience. Uh, maybe one out of two out of ten skiers or snowboarders listen to music, but everyone that skis or snowboards does so in a group every once in a while in a family. Uh, there's, I mean, skiing and snowboarding is these are social sports. I mean, you want to enjoy them with someone, and communications on the slopes are tricky, very tricky. Uh, I mean, I come from a family of five brothers and sisters, all skiers. Uh, we've all skied together since forever. And there's not one day that someone doesn't get lost or someone misses an exit or <laughs> sure, can't find yeah. my little brother. I mean, it happens all the time. Or think of a ski school scenario. Think of a, uh, of a, your powder crew of eight crazy guys that go into, um, go into the back country. There's, there's a ton to be done, really. And uh, we're, we're um, betting hard on communication uh, on the winter sports, uh, on the winter sports side. Now, 
since we are, we've discovered that we are pretty good at uh, hardware and, and, and solving problems through hardware, we are moving on to uh, the urban mobility space as well. This is part of a much bigger uh, development. Uh, we're actually uh, raising around right now. Uh, this, I'm speaking halfway through the, the fundraising roadshow as right now. And uh, part of this, this round is for us to, to grow this vision really to another level. We are, we are turning the, this initial product that we have on Winter Sports, we're turning it into a full hardware slash software ecosystem and through which we reinvent a couple of experiences in the slopes, but mainly focusing on safety, obviously, uh, communication and navigation. And those three issues we also want to solve in the urban mobility space. Uh, we're, we're, we're starting our, our, our journey there. There's going to be an urban uh, mobility helmet uh, coming pretty soon. And then there's going to be additional products that play well into that mix, as well as an app that brings them all together. And what you end up with is a kind of a physical slash digital experience in which you can interact with uh, the mountain or the, or the city slopes or streets, and you can interact with uh, each other as well. So whoever you're riding with, uh, that's, that's kind of what, what, what we're trying to build. Uh, and it's, it's way, way bigger than, than, than we had in mind when this started. I mean, initially, I just wanted to have a, a better way to, to ski with music. And here I, here I am talking about reinventing the, 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 the Wonder Sports experience via a hardware software ecosystem. So this is definitely grown along the way and, and, and I'm happy it has because this is a much much bigger picture we're trying to paint and a much broader problem that we're trying to solve really yeah for sure it's kind of interesting you bring up a really good point when you start a business you really have no idea what its potential is and even even <laughs> a few years in you still have no idea right because it's going to keep evolving yeah. as time goes on um, and I think that's one of the coolest parts about trying building a company is just seeing how it evolves and changes and all of the cool things you're able to do in that time. It's definitely, uh, definitely exciting for sure. And I, I'm, oh, I'm, uh, I'm totally intrigued to see what you guys do going forward. Um, and for anyone who's listening to this episode, uh, before March 3rd, you can actually enter to win a unit one helmet along with a full ski and snowboard setup. Just head over to readyeddy.com for your chance to win. And with that one, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, share your story and the story of Unit One. And I'm just excited to see um, all the things that you guys uh, do in the future. Thank you for having me, Josh. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.